You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to hour number two of Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Moser, your host, coming at you today from the Fargo studio. I would like to thank Rachel for producing. Thanks again so much, Rachel. I appreciate that. She knows her stuff. She's pushing the right buttons, moving the right faders. It's amazing. That's great. I'd like to thank Bradley Steen last half hour for coming on and sharing his journey to becoming a secular Franciscan. And uh, we appreciate him sharing his story. We have uh, now this half hour, we have a husband and wife team, Nathan and Ryan Carr. Welcome, Nathan and Ryan. Hey, good to be here. Thanks, Tim. Thanks so much. And Ryan's on with us by phone. Ryan. Yes, I'm here. There We're excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. With five young children, uh, someone has to be home with the kids. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I was, I was joking. Um, I called her just beforehand, okay. you know, coming in, and uh, she had had, like, one kid on the potty, another one over here, and so so she's definitely multi-talented, juggling all the right things. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So if for some reason Rand has to leave us for a minute or two, we'll understand why. Yep, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Great, thank exactly. you. you well, Nathan and Ryan, of course, a married couple, at five, five young children, um, and they also have a very special ministry. So uh, the first part here, the, until the break probably, just want you to share your story. You know, growing yeah. up a little bit, your individual faith life Definitely. and how the two met and moving on. So Nathan, why don't you go Absolutely. to start? Yeah, yeah. I'd, love, I'd love to kick that off. Um, so we met as Focus missionaries. So right after college, uh, we both joined up with Focus, Fellowship mm-hmm. of Catholic University students, and served two years as missionaries. And we didn't know each other at that point. I got uh, assigned to Western Illinois University, and so did Ryan. And so we met as teammates. Hmm. And in that first year, it was interesting because, you know, I had thought I was maybe called to go to the seminary mm-hmm. and Ryan had actually been in a fairly committed relationship that was almost nearing engagement, but, you know, was, was kind of hanging the balance. And so that first year as teammates, we just developed a great friendship. And it wasn't until towards the end of that year that we started saying, okay, wait a second, I don't want you to go because she's going to be assigned <laughs> to another campus. And, and uh, the Lord had definitely moved in our hearts over the course of that year to clarify some of our discernments and things like that. So, so with that, then we, uh, we started dating that next summer and then we're engaged in the fall and then we're married in the summer of 09 on the Feast of the Sacred Heart. So, um, yeah, God's providence has just had a hand all, all, all along the way in that. And, um, yeah, so the Sacred Heart, I think, has definitely been a devotion that we have had within our marriage and in our family because of that, um, that particular feast day. And, and God really selected the date because mm-hmm. we, we tried getting married on other dates and none of the details were working ah, out. So <laughs> God has a plan. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you talk about how you, you guys were teammates, yeah. developed that friendship. And that's, yeah. that's a step that so many so we say couples nowadays to maybe tend to skip, you know, that right. developing a deep friendship and, and that discerning God, is this what you want, you know, as we move forward? Yeah, yeah. And so I think just being best friends, yeah. I mean, even this year now we're, you know, we're approaching 14 years of marriage and it's to this day kind of one of the bedrocks of our yeah. relationship is the fact that uh, best you know, we're best friends. Yeah. And yeah. so whatever gets thrown our way, we have that to fall back mm-hmm. on and um, there's no yeah. one else I'd rather be. So, so true. Ryan, let's, yeah. let's, yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Well, I was just going to say it was interesting, too, because Nathan and I were both raised as cradle Catholics. Um, so we were brought up in the faith, but um, I would not say it was the new evangelization. Um, it was the faith of the 80s and the 90s, and we were brought to church, but no one really kind of knew what they were doing, it felt like. And so um, I went to Catholic education all through 12 years, and really, unfortunately, what I came away with was I knew how to pray the Hail Mary. Mm. <laughs> that was about it. <laughs> um, but I will say, I think, the mark that it left on my soul was there as well. Like, so even though I didn't miss necessarily like 
have a lot of the things that I would have liked to have going forward with my faith, I think it was still, it was a seat, right? It was buried there. And Nathan had that as well. Right. Um, and so when we uh, became missionaries and we fell in love with Jesus and decided to do this, that kind of stayed throughout our whole friendship and then our dating and now in our marriage. But now it was like, now we're married and we want this kind of um, family life that the new evangelization talks about, this abundant life, John ten ten. And we want the best of the best of the Catholic Church, because we had been just totally, you know, enamored with the Catholic faith um, when we came back to it. And so, but it was, it's hard, right? We don't know what we're doing a lot of times because yeah. we weren't raised in that environment. And so we've kind of had to um, make things up as we go along and really just have to lean on the Lord and the Holy Spirit. And again, going back to the Sacred Heart, um, that, that feast day is just so important to us. We've enthroned our house to the Sacred Heart, and so... That was kind of the bedrock, how we started, and now we're just continuing to grow and just try and raise things. Yeah, and I, I think to Ryan's point with trying to raise the kids, I mean, when we grew up at that, that point of the church, there was just so much confusion. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, catechesis was, was really challenging there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, focus even as a ministry didn't start until the late 90s. Yeah. So, um, so some of the great things that maybe we take for granted in the church, um, to no one's fault, they just weren't there. There was... There's almost like a, a purging of sorts going on yeah. at the time. And so now as we see some of these movements and um, some of these great things, fruits of the new evangelization yeah. develop, uh, we want our kids to be raised in them. And, and so we're always trying, ever discerning about what, what part of their formation, what part of their education development do we need to have in, in hand so that we're raising future saints, that they yeah. go on knowing that this is a grand adventure, mm -hmm. John 10, 10, right? Abundant yeah. life. And that yeah. the Lord's going to call each of them to something and that whatever that is, it's going to be beyond their imagination. It's going to be great, and he's going to do amazing things in their life. So just trying to instill that vision for life within each of them. And I can't say we're perfect at it, but, um, but it's always been the goal and, and the thing driving us as, as we've been trying to raise these children. Absolutely. Talking with Nathan and Rand Carr about their journey together and their, their five children. Uh, I'm curious, as you guys are sharing your stories, and you, you hit the nail on the head, you know, the 80s, 90s, it was more of the feel good, you know, whatever it is. And, and instead of that real deep personal right. encounter with Jesus, it really it really bears fruit and then and makes us missionaries for others. I'm curious, when is, do you first remember or maybe a profound encounter with Jesus, Nathan? Um, I would say for me, it was, it was at the Newman Center where okay. I'm privileged to be back working now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, it was a, a particular Ash Wednesday, <laughs> which seems to be Catholic coming out day, right? And <laughs> exactly. I love it. it's just, and, and I love it. It's just, it's one of the most packed masses that we see. Yeah. Um, any parish all over the country is, mm -hmm. is Ash Wednesday. But that for me was the time where I think I prayed the... For, for the most authentic way that I've ever prayed. Mm. You know, it was, it was the, the first real prayer of my heart where I just acknowledged to God, I didn't like the way things were going in my mm -hmm. life, even mm -hmm. though I was surrounded by certain worldly successes at the time. Um, but interiorly, I was empty. Mm -hmm. And and I, by his very grace, I didn't even know that that's where I should turn, but did. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what, for me, was kind of like the match that lit the fire. And it was a, a progressive thing. It took about another year before I was back into, you know, a full communion with the church, return to confession, things like that. But, um, but it was, it was, that was the moment that I think it kicked off. That was my first memorable encounter with the Lord that changed, for, changed me forever. Sounds good. And, and if I'm thinking, right, I'm just going along, then that's probably what you said started you going along and they took you to focus and yep, all these exactly. type of things, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Cool. So. Rand, what about you? Um, I actually was 16 and I did a retreat called Teens Encounter Christ. I don't know if they have that up here in North Dakota. I'm from Illinois, so okay. in Illinois that was popular. Did you call it Tech? T-E-C-H? Yeah, yeah, Tech. Yeah. Okay, yep, yep. Mm -hmm. 
Yep, tech. And so I went on that, and it was like in three days my whole world changed. I mm. remember profoundly experiencing God and coming out um, on that Monday. They call it Go Forth Day. And uh, I had an opportunity um, to sign up to do a mission trip, like right away. They had a spot that came open. And so I went through this uh, huge encounter with the Lord, kind of had a radical conversion, and that was on a Monday. And then on Friday, I was on a bus actually to South Dakota. Um, We went up to an Indian reservation and did mission work. And so that was really like the Lord just laid it on thick um, and really just showed me that there are people in the world. I was surrounding myself with a lot of the wrong kind of people. And so it was like the first time I had even an inkling that people could be friendly and nice and and cool and still love Jesus. (laughs) So I had never been exposed to that. It had always been like growing up, like, you don't want to dip your toes too much into religion because that is just, you're going to get a little crazy. Like, go to Mass on Sunday, leave it at that, don't do any more. Um, but with this experience of tech, I really was like, wow, I want more. It was like, you know, he just comes after us, and it was the first time I just really felt that desire in my heart to pursue the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he showed me that there was there was more out there, and so then I got to do the mission trip, and um, just, yeah, that, that the Lord was a person. He wasn't just something that I had read about in my religion books for the last however many years. So good. We're talking again with Nathan Rand Carr. Well, of course, you guys talking about person, you talk about encounter. Boy, it, it, it makes me think of the Eucharist, right? So maybe right. share a little bit about how the Eucharist has deepened your relationship with Christ yeah, and I think encounter. Eucharistic adoration, um, you know, has been the bedrock of our of our prayer life. Um, and, and a lot of that, again, I go credit the Newman centers we came from and the, the work focus is done. Um, but it was, it was really at one of those focus conferences that, I first adored the Lord in the Eucharist, mm-hmm. and and there there was something palpably different about that space and that time. You know, we we talk about His presence, mm-hmm. but it was very very apparent. It was very mm-hmm. thick in the air um, yeah. in that moment, and and so I think that that gave us a love of Eucharistic adoration. And then when we were missionaries, uh, we were very privileged to be able to adore the Lord uh, in a holy hour every single day. It was mm-hmm. worked into the work that we did every day. So that just formed a habit in us so that as we've gone along in marriage and as kids have come along and we've maybe been less free to every single day uh, be uh, in front of the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, we make it a priority still on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And and now that I'm, I'm back in campus ministry, I do have that privilege again to be able to routinely uh, encounter the Lord in the Eucharist. But it, it he speaks there uh, in that moment in a different way than maybe regular, ordinary moments yeah. of our life. So true. Rand, what about you? Yeah, I think um, the Eucharist, you know, I, I have a personal thing with the Lord that I've always said, Lord, I am um, one of your sheep, and I will always go to the edge of, of the pasture, but I won't leave. And for me, <laughs> part of that, like, not going that far is that I have to see the Eucharist in my sight. And so I know when Nate and I first got married, we were very adamant that we wanted to be in the neighborhood with our parish because it had um, 24-7 adoration. And our realtor was really annoying because he was like, you can get a better price <laughs> yeah, for things he, he other was, places. Yeah, and we kept coming back to this one house because it was three or four blocks from the Adoration mm-hmm. Chapel. And, um, yeah, and eventually so, that's like, the house being, we bought. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and being able to see the Lord, you know, and, and have the Adoration Chapel. And I know even during COVID when our Adoration Chapel was shut down, being able to physically walk, and I would just kneel on the cement outside mm-hmm. of the Adoration Chapel. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know you're in there, Lord. And so just... Um, yeah, just that physical presence. It's just such an honor to have that in the church that um, even when we go astray, you know, if I can just see him with my eyes, like the, the physical building where he's at, I think for me that that's really important to be able to go in and say hi to him. So true, so true. We're talking with Nathan and Ryan Carter. When we come back after the break, 
deeper part of their story about they and their family and their children. You won't want to miss it. You're listening to Real Presence Live, and we'll be back right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers vision therapy services for children and adults. Symptoms of poor reading comprehension, headaches, tired eyes, and poor coordination can be indicators of eye movement conditions which affect reading and learning. Eye movement disorders are often undetected by school vision screenings and regular eye exams. For more information about how vision therapy can help treat these conditions, our website is www.lumen.vision. Good day to every one of you who are listening to Real Presence Radio. This is Father Wilhelm. I'm a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, and I'm assigned at St. Joseph's Catholic Church. And one of the things that I have found in my assignment is that I wanted to become more friendly, to get to know St. Joseph more. And one of the things in just in Joseph's name, J-O-S-E-P-H, if you take that name, Joseph is just. O, that he's obedient. S, that he was silent. E, that he's an example. P, that he was a parent, the parent, the foster parent of Jesus, and H, husband of Mary. What a wonderful thing to imitate this good, holy man that the Father in heaven chose for his foster father here on earth. And so, have a devotion to St. Joseph. Come to know him. Come to know his intercession as he brings us and leads us always ever more closely in a relationship with the Holy Family. Real Presence Radio is available on Alexa-enabled devices, including Amazon Echo, phones, tablets, and smart displays. To enable the skill, just say, Alexa, enable Real Presence Radio. To listen, say something like, Alexa, open Real Presence Radio. It will then ask what station you want to play, to which you can respond, play Sioux Falls, or play AM970, or play WWEN. From there, you can use commands like play, pause, and stop. Listen to RPR anytime, anywhere on Alexa-enabled devices. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with Nathan and Ryan Carr, married couple. They met as focused missionaries, uh, discerned marriage, and they've been sharing their story. And I love their stories about the Eucharist. I mean, it's, it's awesome. So if you miss something, go back to the podcast. <laughs> but Nathan, Ryan, let, let's move forward because you have a, a very special story in your marriage. And I want you to go ahead and share that you got married, of course, wanted to have children. I hope right. God was. And just go ahead and take the story. And- yeah. So I think our first year of marriage, uh, like a lot of Catholic couples, we wanted to have kids right away. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we reached our first anniversary and we still weren't pregnant. And we're Whereas a lot of the couples that we had been married alongside of that year, you know, uh, throughout that summer, um, most of them had a baby in their arms. Mm-hmm. So I think that was maybe one of the first crosses. And we didn't know how long that was going to uh, last, but uh, praise God, it, it didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. Um, very shortly thereafter, uh, we found out that we were expecting and that that was going to be a baby boy. And mm-hmm. so we were so excited, like any parents. We had the baby shower. I think, Ryan, how many did we have? Five baby showers, I yeah, think. Five baby yeah. showers. Yeah, I'm an only child, so he was the first uh, grandbaby on both sides. And uh, yeah, um, yeah. he was our Easter baby. He was due on Easter. Yeah. So, I mean, there was all sorts of, of 
you know, indications that the, the Lord, like his will was so present in this and, mm-hmm. um, you know, dates have always been very important to us. And so uh, we, we progressed along just like any pregnancy was. And as we're kind of getting towards the, the final days of that, um, you know, Ryan woke up one morning and she said, you know, I, I don't really feel him moving. And we thought, okay, well, maybe, you know, we're really close. We were within 10 days of his due date. So maybe today's the day. Maybe it's just like the, the early signs of labor, not really knowing what to expect, mm-hmm. given it was our first time. Um, and then a little bit later, she was a little more nervous. She says, no, he's usually moving a lot more. And so, uh, you know, we, we talked about it. She went in um, to the doctor. She said, no, to me, not to go in just to save the time off because I only had a little bit of time off. So we sure. ought to save it for when he's born, um, which, uh, you know, I regret to this day because sure. a few hours later, she called me on the phone and just said that, that he died and he, there was no heartbeat. Um, which our whole world crashed in at that point. I mean, it's, there's nothing to prepare a person for that moment to hear those words. Um, and, you know, I think we had a, um, a moment where, you know, uh, we were waiting, and we really lived out the Lord's passion in a way where there's that agony in the garden because we had to wait to uh, go into the hospital because she wasn't in active labor. And so they had to wait for there was a room. Uh, available mm-hmm. for us. And so we, we felt like that was our agony in the garden. And, um, and when we were there, we had a, a moment where we knew God was inviting us into something that we had one of two choices. Either this thing could define us in a negative way, could destroy us, uh, mm-hmm. bring us down, uh, or that we could invite God into it with us, knowing that he was so very present to us and that, that he would be with us through the entire grief's journey. And so, you know, I remember very fondly those few days while we were waiting for her labor to progress um, that we danced, we cried, we, mm. we just said goodbye to our son, Caleb. And, um, and finally, we did get to, to meet him very briefly. He was born on uh, April 16th. Um, you know, his middle name was Benedict. Um, which is interesting because we had decided that a long time ago, but he shares a birthday with uh, with Pope Benedict. Oh my goodness. So, yeah, so uh, <laughs> it was just kind of one of those things. Again, dates are important to us. So I think, um, you know, the Lord was just trying to give us one of those consolations yeah. and graces. Say, I'm with you in this. This is, there's a purpose and a plan, even in the midst of this sorrow. And and I'm greater than this. Mm. Like the cross didn't, didn't leave me dead. I rose from the dead yeah. and I'm with you in it. Mm. So powerful. Ryan, yeah, some of your I thoughts, yeah. Yeah, it was just, um, I, I think for me, the the most shocking part was I didn't know what could happen, right? I We had waited to tell people until we were 12 weeks pregnant, like they suggested, you know, you might miscarry. And I just had no idea of this term stillbirth. I had no idea um, it could happen, especially so close to your due date. You know, we had the car seat locked in and installed and all the clothes washed and hung up. And so, um, yeah, it was really an invitation into the darkness. Yeah. Um, and I love in the scriptures when the Lord says, dark is not dark to me, dark is but light. Mm-hmm. And that is really what he was calling us to, because it was so dark. And nothing made sense. You know, those times when you're just, you think you're on one path with the Lord, and then he just flips it. And you're like, what? I did not see this coming. And so, um, but yeah, like Nathan said, he was with us throughout the whole time. And I remember, um, you know, going through the process of, picking out his funeral readings and then picking out his grave marker and all the stuff with the burial. And it, there was just such a peace. And we thought, I'm so thankful for the church. I'm so thankful yeah. for the church because if we hadn't had the church to guide us at that point, um, you know, I, I don't know. It was just so beautiful that they respected him and they were going to give him a funeral. And so, yeah, there was a lot of peace. And he was actually buried um, on the Tuesday before Easter 
and it ended up being what was it, Nathan? The the nineteenth day that yeah. um, it was, yeah, it was Pope Benedict. Uh, yeah, the, I, I believe that he was elected, if I remember, as okay. Pope. Uh, something, something to that nature. I, I'd have to look up the exact details. It, it escapes me at the moment. But some significant mm-hmm. date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. And yeah. Um, but then, okay. Oh, what, Go ahead, I was, honey. yeah, I was just going to say, you know, the um, the thing that that kind of struck me um, was going back to the Eucharist. That that Lent, because he was going to be our Easter baby, mm-hmm. um, God prompted me that Lent to say, okay, I really want you every single day without fail. To be in front of the Blessed Sacrament for a holy hour every day. And so um, I thought, okay, yeah, because I'm going to be a dad and, and life's going to get a little crazy mm-hmm. and you're going to need to prepare me. I get it. Yeah, well, well definitely, Lord. Uh, that, that sounds great. And, um, and so I did, not knowing that this great trial was ahead of us and not knowing mm-hmm. how much grace we were going to need. Mm-hmm. And that, that just right. being in his presence over the course of that Lent really did prepare us for the trial that we were about to face. Mm, so true. Right, and I remember... To being prompted to just receive the Eucharist every day, and yeah. I remember thinking, like, this is the best thing I can fuel my baby's body with, is the body and blood of our Lord. And so, yeah, definitely the grace was heavy upon us, I think, and um, just one story I'd love to tell. At his funeral, we had the Easter candle was lit, and it was the last time, because it was right before Easter, you know, and then they switched a new candle, and all I could focus on during his funeral was that giant candle with that little light at the top. And I just kept thinking to myself, that's a lot of wax. Like, I can't get lost. Like, there's a lot of time <laughs> to figure things out, right? If you're, like, lost in a cave with this giant candle. And um, afterwards, I said, Nathan, I want that candle. What do they do with it? Like, it's not being used anymore in the altar. What do they do with it? Long story short, we ended up getting the candle. And um, we have now melted it down and made that wax into the wax of each of our children's baptismal candles. Mm-hmm. Just so that they can have that light, you know, the light comes from the darkness, and a little bit of Caleb with them, and so yeah. that's really meaningful too. Just a sign of redemption, I think. Um, that again, the Lord was present with us through the entire thing, and and that there's actually meaning in this. Yep. I mean, because in our Lord Jesus Christ, our suffering isn't meaningless. It takes upon the meaning because of what He suffered, and and the fact that He became man incarnate, and and ascended into heaven. He rose from the dead. Yep. I mean, all these things, uh, the mysteries of our faith that. No longer do the things that happen to us here on earth um, conquer us, but they actually now take on meaning in Him. And I think that's something that over the course of, especially the years of our grief, um, as we unpacked it and and explored it, that we came to discover is that there was so much meaning, that the Lord really was present. And it it, it continues to unfold with with each child that we're blessed with now, that, that they're part of the same story. Yeah. Amen. We're talking with Nathan and Ryan Carr about their journey, a very powerful one. Got about four minutes left. So this prompted you in some way mm-hmm. to, to start a ministry. Talk about yeah. that. So the ministry is called Immaculate Hope Ministries. Mm-hmm. Um, the website, immaculatehope.org. And we have a series of articles, prayer reflections for any of those who maybe have suffered a loss. Um, they're written in such a way that at the end, there's some some questions to take to prayer and things like that. So I would definitely direct people to that. But then we also um, developed a day-long retreat for couples who have experienced a, a pregnancy or, or early infant loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything from miscarriage, ectopic pregnancy, stillbirth, or um, even postnatally, uh, a baby that dies early on in a NICU stay or from SIDS, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, And it's specifically designed in a way that the couples can open up paths of communication amongst themselves, uh, but then also with God. So we designed the whole day to get them to reflect upon their grief and upon God's place in it, but also to begin discussing their needs and grief, because sometimes grief is actually a very practical thing. It's not just an idea or we need these grand principles. Sometimes it's just simply, 
you know, knowing what the other person needs in that very moment. And that can change rapidly over the course of uh, someone's grief journey as well. So, um, so it's really a day for them. And, and um, you know, hopefully that what they would receive is um, sort of going forward, that open path of communication and that they're actually in grief together mm-hmm. and that God's in their grief with them as well. Yeah, because we found in the church there was really nothing um, addressing this. You know, we had such a great pro-life movement, and we thought, oh my goodness, like, we're, we're missing this whole, like, slew of people here who have been wounded, because once you have a kind of pregnancy loss, people come out of the woodwork. People say, oh, 20 years ago, I lost my baby, mm-hmm. and they know exactly when, eight weeks, three days, oh, I lost this baby, you know, and we named this baby this, and it's just crazy, the stories, and you're like, Wow, we need to do something. Yeah, people here. hold people it are, very, very close to their heart for sure. their whole life, right? Yeah, so we really wanted to um, allow the space, and it was really part of our own grieving um, process because we were formed as missionaries. You know, that's a call that God gave us when we joined Focus, and it has not left us. And so, how we process things, I think, a lot of times is just we we go out and we share what God is doing in our hearts with those around us. And so, even though there was so much pain, we wanted to share those good things he was doing through that. And so on our website, immaculatehope.org, you can find the link to my personal blog that I wrote, and I documented the first three years of grief. And there's just a lot of good gold gems there that the Lord has told me. My hope is someday to turn it into a book. Um, But just, I I found that grief was so lonely, you know, and you're up at 2 a.m., and you're just distraught. And so blogs really were a great place um, to meet other moms who had had the loss and then to share my feelings, and they're accessible, you know, anytime for that grieving person. So, yeah, we just, we really felt that we needed um, just to minister to these people who are heartbroken just like us. So true, Immaculate Hope Ministries, right? And, mm-hmm. the, and the website again is? ImmaculateHope.org. Okay, we'll say that again before the end. We have, uh, I, I know Nathan mm-hmm. and Ryan and... Uh, we are planning on having a, a retreat mm-hmm. sometime in the spring. Haven't set the date yet, right. but but you and Ryan would uh, like to offer a retreat in the spring. Absolutely, yeah, and and that would be open to any couple who suffered any types of those losses that I that I mentioned before. And it doesn't matter if it's fresh; it happened last week or if it happened ten, twenty years ago. Uh, your grief is real, and and that you deserve to have that uh, ministered to and unpacked, and and to receive the consolation uh, from the Lord in that grief. That's so true. And we'll, we're going to pair that with the Mass, a mass for God's Children mm-hmm. that Bishop Fuller will celebrate. So, Nathan or Ann, I want to thank you for sharing your story, saying yes to Jesus all along the way. Yeah. And we wish you all the best and God's blessings moving right. forward. Well, thanks, Tim. Appreciate being on. All right. Thank that's you. Nathan and Ryan Cargan. Thanks so much. When we come back, we have a special guest talking about music, not just any old music, something called sacred music, why it's different, why it's important. We'll do that right after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. We'll be back right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. 